0: Chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, reading from verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, Abounding therein With thanksgiving As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord So walk ye in him Last Sabbath evening I to deal with the first part of this verse as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord and we took occasion to find out that to receive Christ Jesus the Lord means Receive him as the Son of God, to receive Him as God, to receive Him for what He is. And that is in turn implied our receiving Him as prophet, as priest. And as king. Now, there are certain questions which we might ask regarding this, which do not appear so intimately on the text as the ones we have tried to answer before. For instance, the question might be asked when is Christ Jesus received? Well, just in passing we might say that he is received. The instant the new birth takes place in the soul, then and not till then, Christ is the result of regeneration or of the new birth. And for our purpose, meantime, we use these terms synonymously. Receiving Christ is the immediate result of being born again. But the point that the apostle has here. The point that is emphasized is not the receiving of Christ. While that is important and very important, yet that is not the point he is handling. What he says is, as ye have received him, so were ye in him he is dealing more especially with sanctification than with justification. Now, in relation to man's soul, we try to point out that as Christ executes his offices in the soul, And towards the soul, he does so in a certain order. That is, he executes the office of a prophet primarily in the intellect. The office of a priest primarily in the conscience. The office of a king primarily in the will. Special emphasis laid here on the kingship of Christ. For it is the kingship of Christ that bears more intimately, or that has the most intimate bearing on sanctification or of in grace. The exercise of his power belongs to the kingship of Christ and the work of sanctification is a work of power. He worked in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is a work of power and it is noteworthy that the order in which the words Christ Jesus the Lord appear in this text is unique. They don't appear in exactly this order anywhere else. Christ Jesus the Lord and uh, without entering into uh, what brings this out in the original here we can see this that there is special emphasis according to the order of the words laid on the lordship or the kingship of Christ. No bearing that in mind. We um, repeat to ourselves as ye have received him, so walk ye in him. Don't ask me have misunderstood on this point. We may add a word of explanation to uh, something we have said. What we say that, for instance, the office of Christ as priest. on our justification. And that his office as king bears immediately on our sanctification. We are not failed by to divide the work of Christ into a, what might be called watertight departments need him as priest in our sanctification. Yes. For who is the man that liveth and sineth not? As long as there is sin, there is need of Christ as a priest. have said that it is his office as a king that bears most intimately on our sanctification. But now, take the As ye have received him, walking. As he have received him, walking. of what we tried to say before that they received him as having need of him. Need of him as prophet, as priest, and as king. But the question arises, having received him, have they done with him? Is that all they have to do? But that is, that is all that is required of them to receive him. What do you think from the way some speak that it is? Because uh, the totality of their knowledge concerning Christ seems to be summed up in this that at some time or another they received him or believed him. And it seems the matter ended there. What well, that is not the scripture presentation of this. As a matter of fact, it is at variance with scripture presentation. The scripture presentation of the soul receiving Christ is not something that can be done and then left the Christ that is received to be sort of taken in and put into accord. Oh no like that. Because the need continues. And the need continues for them as coffee and as peace and as fear. Now there are certain things implied in walking. As ye have received him, so walk, walk ye in Element in which they are to walk. There is a sense. There are two ways described in Scripture a broad way and a narrow way. Now, it is not optional with us whether we walk in one of them. We cannot decide not to walk at all. That is entirely beyond us. For according to laws which we cannot break, we must walk. Hence, here we are commanded to walk in Christ. Now you remember in the chapter that we read, the fifth chapter of the epistle to the Galatians, there were these words, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Is there a difference, as a matter of fact, between walking in Christ and walking in the Spirit? We think not. It is exactly the same thing looked at from different angles. To walk in Christ and to walk in the Spirit mean practical. That is in practice mean exactly the same thing. Not lead us very far. The question arises what it is to walk in the spirit. To walk in Christ. Well there is there is first of all, and there must be some way in which one is to walk. Because walking presupposes that cannot walk in a vacuum. You must walk in or on a way. Well, that is precisely what Christ himself says. I am the way. I am the way. The truth and the life. Oh, it is significant. At least it is not. And the life, as someone has put he is the way to walk in. He is the truth to guide us in the way. And he is the life to enable us to walk therein. Everything necessary for walking is not only provided by him. But he himself is all that and infinitely more. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore walk ye in him. But this presupposes receiving him as the truth and the life while it is man's duty at all times to walk in the ways of God and while no inability will ever save him or bring him away from that duty yet he cannot do it unless he has the life and the direction necessary for that them. Listen about the importance of the offices of Christ. And as they received Him, they had to walk in Him. As they received Him as prophet, priest, and king, so they had to walk in Him. First of all, they had to. To hear his instruction or direction. You cannot walk in Christ without hearing his own rules and regulations concerning that. You must hear the law or the rule at his mouth. And as you were dependent upon him for instructing and enlightening you in the knowledge of justification, so you are dependent on him, on the knowledge to enable you to walk in himself. Some of us thought at one time that there was at least something we knew. thought he knew something at least about the law or the way in which one ought to walk. And of course it is true to say that the natural conscience knows far more about the law than it knows about the gospel or it knows nothing at all about the gospel. But it is one thing to say that the natural man in intellect and conscience knows more about the law than he knows about the gospel. It is an entirely different thing to say that one knows all that is to be known or that one knows enough about the law of God. His who, call it what you will, his precept, Brings us back to what we have often said before that there is sometimes difficulty in no one's duty. Having received Christ, no one can go on and say no. I know what to do. No situation can arise which can baffle me. I know what to do exactly. Perhaps one must be inclined to say that. But he won't be very far. He will meet with obstacles that will more than match all his wisdom, or his supposed wisdom, to do that where can help come from to clarify the difficult point Where can help come from to solve the problem to enlighten the darkness. As he have received him so walk in him he is still the prophet of the church to instruct them in every situation by his word and spirit no one can set aside Christ as a prophet, no one is sufficiently wise to meet and to overcome the problems that must crop up in one's daily life. But there is no problem too hard for him, there is no situation that can match his wisdom. There is no difficulty that can baffle his power to solve and to unravel. He is always master of the situation. As a prophet, oh, my friends, it is a to say that we know little. That's not the question. The question is, do we know anything at all, as we ought, concerning the things of God? And when I say, do we know anything, I don't mean do we know them by our own power, for we don't. But have we been taught to such an extent? Have we received the teaching and the instruction of God himself? To the point that it can be said of us that we know something. Well, you say, what should I know? Or well, there are many things you should know. But we can put it like this. Do we know need of Christ as prophet, as peace, and as king. Do we come up against our own ignorance in such a way as to make us bow our head in fear? We are so ignorant, so ignorant of God, so ignorant of what he demands of us, Oh, yes, we may be able to repeat the Ten Commandments. We may be able to repeat all the precepts of the gospel. What of that? Have we really been taught in our soul what God's demands on us mean? Have we heard this word? Hear, O his son. The Lord, your God is one God. And to love him with all the heart, with all the mind, with all the soul, with all the strength, is the first duty of man. and to walk in his way necessitates this instruction. No one can walk without it. It is as the blind try to find his way. You cannot find it. Blind feeling for the wall, wondering if it's there, if it's here, or where it is. We need his instruction, and to walk in his way, according to this scripture injunction, we must be taught of himself. But even when one is taught. still remains much corruption. And as we have tried to point out last Sabbath evening, teaching will not and cannot take away corruption. Even the teaching of God. No. We might have the knowledge of an angel and yet as far as moral condition be concerned, we like the devil. Why, the devil is an angel, And a, An inch, a fallen angel. Who has much knowledge? But that does not get him one step towards holiness. And if we had all the knowledge that we could possibly have, that would not, in and of itself, take away our corruption. Subdued one single lust. Ah. Virtue is not knowledge. Although there must be knowledge, yet virtue doesn't consist in knowledge. There must be something else. That is for man who is already a polluted being. Now, man is thus polluted, rebellious in his old nature, in himself, even though he be renewed. What then? Well, in our walking, we have need of Christ as priest. Also, you remember how this is brought out in the Gospel of John. He that is washed does need to have anything else washed, but his feet. Now we, I think, we we <coughs> have occasion to refer to the significance of that before. He that is washed, and the word used means bath, washed as in a bath. And the allusion is to the custom that prevailed in Judea and in all provinces of the Roman Empire. where there were public baths. And the people went to these baths and washed. But on their way home, their feet were soiled. And, but when they reached home, they need only have their feet washed. And they are altogether clean. Now if we apply the first of these to the washing of regeneration and the uh, soiling of the feet to the pollution and the guilt rather the guilt which the believer contracts in his everyday life having still in him an enemy that is ready to take advantage of every opportunity. He needs to have his feet washed, and he is altogether clean. Well, in this work of washing, washing away guilt, from our conscience, as well as washing it away in the sight of God, it is as peace as that. That is, my conscience cannot have peace in connection with guilt, but as I see Christ as my priest. But then, and more particularly, receive Him in this way as to Him. Walk in Him as to Him. Instructed by Him, washed by Him, and governed by Him. Christ Jesus, the Lord. Now it is precisely here that he executes in a peculiar manner his office as a king. He does so, as you know, by subduing us to himself. No, no one can walk in Christ but as Christ subdues him to himself. He subdues. It is the renewed and the subdued will that walks in Christ. Nothing else is possible. For consider that man is in and of himself at enmity with God at enmity with the ways of God there is innate enmity in his heart to God's ways he will not walk in God's ways and he cannot walk in The natural mind is not subject to the Lord God. That is, it cannot walk in God's way. Well. It will not. It is not subject to the Lord God. Neither, indeed, can be. It cannot be subject to it. It is something that is entirely beyond it. What then? This mind. This will must be renewed and subdued. And he does this in the exercise of his power. From the very beginning of the work of sanctification, the power of Christ is made known. It is as King Christ calls the dead to life. It is as King he renews them after his own image. It is as King he enables them to walk in himself. There is the instruction. There is the rule. The truth. But then there must be the life. There must be the energy. There must be the inclination. And all these are supplied by him. No walking in Christ. As he was received means walking in total dependence upon his strength. It excludes effectively and forever any strength of the people. It is his strength. But It is his strength, made perfect in weakness. And this is precisely where so many fail. They have no weakness but tries to exercise his strength in and on. They are strong enough. Strong enough, more than strong enough. And the tragedy of the matter is that many say that the strength they have is from God, whereas it is all the time nothing more than a mistaken idea of what they are themselves. <clears throat> when Peter said, for instance, "Lord," I am willing to go with thee to prison and to death. And I am not dependent on this for the example of anyone. I don't want anyone else to do it. I am willing to do this all on my own. Though all should be offended in thee, yet I will not, oh no, and remember He was a man who knew something about himself, who knew at least a little concerning himself. But what he knew was negligible in comparison with what he did not know. Had he known what he was, he would never have said, I will never be offended in the, I would never deny thee very honest he was yes there was no hypocrisy about what he said but there was much ignorance he soon found out that to walk in his own strength was to court disaster in the consciousness of our weakness. That is not popular. No. Neither is it a comfortable or a comforting experience to have. It is it is much more natural to man to see the strength that he can feel the strength in which he can boast. Oh yes. But to have strength administered to him through his weakness is something he knows absolutely nothing about. But as he learns it by experience, and as he learns it, he wonders what's happening to him. What is this? This is not what I expected. Oh no. That said something like this I asked for strength. He made me conscious of my weakness that I might lean upon it, sir. That's easy to say. Comparatively easy to hold as a doctrine. But to have it as a truth in the heart is something. That no man has ever attained to, but those who walk in Christ as they have received him, as they came. Hence the, the, the futility, the absolute futility of dying to teach ourselves the things of the Spirit of God. Our oh, word of war. We do not mean that it is futile or useless or that it is not our duty to search the Spirit. To learn all that we can about God and His Word and His works and so on. But to think that a person can learn the truths of practical godliness by merely creating the scriptures, to think that is to proceed on fatally wrong principles. And it would be amusing were it not so tragic. But practically everyone thinks he is a judge of these things. Everybody thinks he can he can uh, come to right conclusions in things religious. Well, uh, maybe not everybody, but many people do. They think themselves quite confident to decide any question in religion. That's where it is. If man by some innate ability, some innate discernment, were able to decide these questions, there would be no blessing implied, at least no special blessing implied, in what Christ says concerning his people. When he says, They shall all be of God. That is one of the great privileges of the family of God. They are taught by him. And they are taught here. They are taught concerning their own we Their need of the power of Christ as king to subdue them to himself. Are so rebellious. They have a will that refuses to be subject to him, but as he overcomes it, his almightiness. Now, in justification, the soul looks to Christ as priest. That's the question uh, that occupies the mind of the one who is conscious of guilt and whose main aim is to get rid of this guilt. It's Christ that has peace that he needs. Degree that sort of degree doesn't do not take it at all, yet he and you not because of any negative stress but because of the power of the spirit of God.